So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 2 is Mercy and Fire. We're going to discuss eight specific verses that walk us down the path to salvation. Our hope is that we can show how simple the plan really is to understand. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, the f- Dude. first time we run out of coffee before we Love even started recording. We better not be running out. Dude, we, this we just is, went to, to... How much coffee did you guys drink? This is a problem. We just... Like, we haven't even recorded. This, this is a real problem. cups. I've had one. Well, I've had one and a half. <laughs> Julian. He's <laughs> 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 like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, really Man, I, I don't know what to, what to say. say you have one and a half? Well, I had, yeah, I had one that was like the half pour to That's start with. That's what I had. And I started I just, you there. I didn't finish yeah. that. I just topped that off. Oh, yeah, and I didn't quite finish mine. And then I went up to about here with my other cup. And I didn't finish that, and now I'm to here. But with the, wait a minute. Hey, now. either way, we're in a heck of a bad place right now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter who did what. Let's no. not talk about who <laughs> killed who. Point fingers. <laughs> the fact is, this is empty, my friends. Alright, we gotta focus on this we thing, We gotta guys. focus on this thing. Okay. Romans 3.23. So for season two, we're gonna go through eight powerful verses. Eight? Although, what? Although that, that's not the title of... No, no. Two. It's not the title, but it, there will be eight verses. There will be eight very powerful verses. And then we're gonna talk about other verses that relate and kind of spin off of that and kind of help bring that verse home. But that verse is the core of each episode, and uh, they'll be a little bit quicker probably than last season episodes, but no guarantees. <laughs> you know, I'll make sure they you know stretch us. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Julian's going to drag it out. That's what I'm here for. So the first one is, in fact, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I put this verse first because I really... There's something really positive about this verse, and it doesn't sound like it when you just read it. But think about what that verse says about where we all start. It's absolutely egalitarian. We are all at the same place. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter what your parents did. It doesn't matter what, you know, there's no classes. There's no... There's no, you were born into something, you were, you're special and set apart. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a completely level playing field that we all find ourselves on. And that's really uplifting to me. The idea that, you know, we all come from the same place. We all start, the the starting line is the same for everybody. And so all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, it tells us what our state was, but it tells us that for everybody. So that everybody shares the same hope at the end, right? Because 
We all start from the same place. We're all on level footing. We're all on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. It's something you're not going to find a lot of places in, you know, in the world, in life, where everybody is exactly the same right off the bat. Right. I think that's a really positive message is that you know when wherever you are in your um sort of spiritual whatever spiritual place you find yourself in you started from the same place that everybody else did so you remember that and you think about that and you consider that next time you're you know talking about this guy or that guy who's worthy who's not worthy um all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't forget that. Mm-hmm. Well, and what you had said about, you know, essentially that's the start of the, you know, the plan of salvation. You know, is being able to recognize that you're in that camp, you're in that group, you're one of those. You know, that you know, equal like you said, everyone else. You're you're in that world where you sinned, and now you need to do something about it if you want to come into a relationship with God. So. But it's also interesting to think previous to that, though, like at what point does sin, like at what point have all sinned? Because like children, we would argue probably children have not sinned. Children don't even know what sin is. Children are just innocent, right? Completely. And it's not until they get to be old enough to understand that they are lying and what a lie actually is and that they are intentionally doing it and all that kind of stuff, right? So the starting point for all have sinned, I know there's different religious groups that believe, you know, like in infant baptism, for example, and whatnot. So I think it's just important for us to, to bring up, you know, the perspective that this, for the point of this conversation, you have to recognize that you have sinned um, you have to be mature enough to recognize that you've sinned to be able to even start finding your way back to God. Do you think that's a fair way to say it? I think that's that's definitely the right way to say it. It's biblical. Genesis says that, I think it's three, I was flipping here, uh, says that the, the thoughts of men were evil since their youth. Actually, it doesn't say since birth. Um, Ezekiel... Other passages make it clear that, um, you know, kids don't inherit the sins of their fathers. Everyone um, is responsible for themselves. We have free will. You know, you 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 don't. You know, you're, you're not born bearing your father's sin. Um, you can be um, victim of circumstance. You know, but it doesn't mean that you're automatically biased to sin. In fact. Um, in fact, Ecclesiastes says something different. It says that you're born with eternity on your heart. So, what does, totally, that, what does that mean? Bias to sin? Um, I, I guess you're not you're not born with a bent automatically to just go do evil. You're not bent right. with a with a um, with a proclivity to go out and do what is against God and what's uh, what's against His own moral code. Um, in fact, you're encoded the other way around. Um, one, one thing really cool, I think you started to bring it up about Romans three twenty three, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Like the recognition of the fact that we've all made mistakes and we've all sinned makes passages like um, John three sixteen like come alive and really mean something for you. You know, 
you 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 have trouble accepting the fact that that God loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you if you don't know why he died for you you know you you don't you don't really appreciate um what was done for you and um you know I always like to use the example that someone pushed you out of the way of a, of a bus if you don't know that you were about to be hit by one. And and when you recognize the fact that you sinned um, and you did make a mistake, and as Daniel said, it puts you on level playing field with everyone else, then you can really appreciate God's love for you, what he did for you, the fact that he cared so much that he wanted to pull you back into the right relationship um, with himself. And it's it's actually considered right. And three seventeen says John three seventeen um, says that he didn't even come to condemn us; he came to save us. So, um, not only did we sin, but he has this plan so he could pull us back to himself and make it right. John three sixteen, just for the record, says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life." Read oh, seventeen. That's cool. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And those are good points, Julian. You know, I think you know, you'll never you'll never care about the good news if you don't know what the bad news is first. Uh, and so I guess actually we'll probably get more into that in the next kind of in the next power verse that we go into. But I mean the essentially the you know, sneak peek to the next one. The wages of sin is death. So, if you know that you sinned, and there's a consequence to that, then suddenly you're motivated. You know, you have a reason to be out and seek the truth and and look for what what do I do now? You know, okay, this is my condition. What do I do now? Yeah. And you know, for for the sake of our discussion, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of people could be coming from different backgrounds. You know, we could. Maybe down the road we'll go into discussions on trying to create evidence courses for like a belief in God in the first place, you know. And then the defense of the Bible is the Scripture, or the Holy Scripture of God, you know. Um, but you know, starting off at this point, you know, we, we assume that the Bible is true, and what the Bible has to say is what is the pattern that we need to follow for salvation. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And since you say that it is we're taking this to be the law that first john says that sin is is actually it's 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 more than just um well it is a transgression but it's it's breaking the law mm-hmm. it's lawlessness um in some translations there's actually there's a law set forth by god that that basically defines his own uh, system of justice which is wonderful for us because justice has two sides right justice says that um justice says that because daniel broke into my car that uh that he will go to jail but it also says that because daniel broke into my car that i'm I'm gonna be safe right because of justice and because of his justice which has two sides has his wrath Right and showcases his love for us, um, you know. But but because of justice, then there's the law, and the law serves this great moral code that 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 makes everything work. 
but sin is transgressing against that. Not right. it's I'm, I'm making I'm I'm unraveling the the positivity that you just laid down. So let me bring it back. This is <laughs> yeah, you know, but it it is it is good though to understand that something so severe like we should take sin very seriously. It is a real like fist against the Lord, like straight mm-hmm. up. I see, I see what you've got, God, but I've got something better, right? And I want to do something completely different and against you. Even though you love me, I'm still going to be rebellious. Um, but it's good to know that we are actually all rebellious, every single one of us. Like, nobody's dodged that. And not only has no one dodged it, First um, John chapter 1 says that uh, not only has no one dodged it, we continue to make mistakes, right? Um, the, the awesome thing is that um, he's a loving, forgiving, long-suffering God who, regardless of our errors, our mistakes, and our flaws, always loves us and wants us back. Mm-hmm. He always gives us an opportunity to be able to find a way to re-establish our relationship with Him, no matter what mistakes we're making along the way. Mm-hmm. I used to have a flight instructor that, when I was doing my instrument training, would be flying, and um, you know, you're always kind of basically trying to approximate the right heading to account for the crosswind all this kind of stuff to keep a heading and to actually you know track on the ground in a straight line so to speak and um but you're always kind of making small corrections to your heading to account for you know the wind and all that stuff and so um you know if if you were getting off on your measurements like you could tell you're getting off track um he would say you know what you're going to be off track you know fairly often but i'm not going to be upset with you unless you're not making a correction, you know, to actually get it back on track. So if I see that you're just drifting and not doing anything about it, that's when I'm going to yell at you. Um, and it's kind of like that with sin in a way. If you know we, you know, we make these mistakes, we veer, but there's always a way for us to be able to turn and kind of angle back in and get back close to God again. And and that's what I think that that's the relationship God wants to see is that we are making those course corrections to draw near to Him again. Mm-hmm. But the first part of that, of course, is understanding that sort of basic, sort of cold hard fact about our where we stand with God, mm-hmm. apart from Jesus, is that we've fallen short of the glory of God. Right. We have to understand that that's that's our situation. That's the state that we're in, and. Because of that, accepting that as true, as a factual statement, all have sinned, including me, and fall short of the glory of God, that means me, that that's where, I think that's where an understanding of, you know, the gospel, the good news, has to start from, is the, the first step is understanding, okay, without that, there's a... I'm a goner. I'm, it's hopeless. It's lost. Right? It's all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's, yep. I'm not going to make it on my own. Right. Uh, which is not a popular message, you know, given the current sort of social climate and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what Scripture says. That in First John again, anyone who says he does not have any sin in him is a liar and the truth is not in him. Mm-hmm. Um the sin problem is a real problem. It's an actual challenge that we have to face every single day. Mm-hmm. And the first part of facing it is looking at it square in the eye and saying, I, you know, 
it's the first step. I have a problem, right? Right. Um, is understanding and accepting, yes, I have a problem with sin in my life. Do I want to do something about that? You know, that's 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 the first step. That's right. that's where everybody starts from. Yep. Yeah, I'm totally with you. We we must admit it, and then we make progress. In Isaiah 59, uh, 2, it says, But your iniquities, and some versions say lawlessness, which totally fits back with 1 John, where it says sin is lawlessness. Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Like It's that serious. Sin is really that serious. Um, and, and when you put it in that context and you think about that, you're like, man, like really having a separation from God just because of things that I do that are totally apart from him, like his nature is such he's not even having anything to do with sin. Like that's just not him. I mean, look at what happens to Jesus on the cross. It's it's mind blowing actually. Um but we have we we have a tendency, even though it's mind blowing to just kind of push it to the side and say, eh, not that bad. Mm-hmm. Not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the easiest thing in the world, isn't it, to to sort of minimize your guilt and responsibility. Yeah, I chainsawed my neighbor, but yeah. he had it coming. And exactly. It wasn't that much of a chainsawing to begin with. He it's didn't have to go chainsaw. die. <laughs> we, it's that natural thing to sort of build ourselves up. It's that just we don't want to look... We're not going to tell ourselves the full extent of how bad we are. Just like we're not going to like... Oh, it just seems like it's it's human nature to want to sort of downplay the wrong that we do. And to sort of sell up how good we are. And, you know, maximize the good things and minimize the bad things. And I think that's what you were just saying is that... it's It really is mind-blowing when you consider... Jesus as the standard, and then you try to minimize your bad things compared to to him, and you try to maximize the what you think are the good things you do. When you look at his example, yeah, good one. Good luck. <laughs> um, but uh, that's part of the struggle we face when we're talking about you know the sort of universal condition of sinfulness, is that it's really difficult sometimes to get a full meaningful grasp as to what that truly means in God's sight. Like you read from Isaiah, that his face is turned away from us. That that's It's not that easy to remember that all the time, especially given our own nature and the fact that we want to, we don't want to instill this sort of crushing defeatism in ourselves. We want to try to make ourselves look good, right? So, that verse in Isaiah that you read is just dovetails so perfectly in with this discussion because that's that's what happens on a spiritual level when we sin. God turns his face away from us. And when we're all in that condition, when we are all you know, sort of behind God's back, you know, like getting out of that situation sort of becomes a much higher priority for you. When you keep those verses in mind, right? Yeah, and not to... Well, heck, let's just stay in Isaiah, right? Because 53, 4, 
kind of piggyback on to, to to what you just said. Talks about Jesus bearing our sins on the cross. So we get our sinfulness, right? Our lawlessness, our transgressions. We go back to where we started, kind of in John three sixteen. Man, God loved us so much that He sent His Son, and here helps us get the magnitude of this whole thing. Really makes it big. Uh, Isaiah fifty three four. Surely He Jesus has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but He was wounded for our transgressions, for our sins, our lawlessness. What we chose to do that was completely against God, he was bruised for our iniquities, back to lawlessness. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed, and we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When you when you go, man, my sins, my sins did all this. My sins actually had God turning away from me. He's like, mm, I don't, I don't, I don't even work in that realm. But I love you so much that I'm going to send my son, and all of this is going to fall on him, so that we can come in right relationship together. Yep, that's what Paul says in Galatians chapter three and verse thirty, verse twenty-two. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. That all of that, the the fact that we are all under, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, that God turns His face from us when we sin, and everything that Christ went through on the cross, the the entire weight of the sin of the world was put on His shoulders. But the promise that God loves us and sent Jesus for us, not that we be condemned, but that we be saved, that that promise is made available to everybody who believes. That's the light at the end of the tunnel, right? That's, yeah. That's, yeah, you're right. That, that's truly the, the very positive piece, Romans 1.16. Everyone who wants it. Conditionally, that you want it, <laughs> that you want it and you believe. But to, your, to how we first started, to want it and believe, you have to believe that you need it, right? Mm-hmm. You got to believe that you need it, acknowledge that you need it, then you can want it, you can have it. It's definitely available. It's available to everyone who wants a piece. Mm-hmm. And to tie it in kind of to this most basic, like basic nature, you know, the greatest command is... Um, I pulled it up here. It's in uh, Matthew 22, 30, uh, I guess, well, 37, really, uh, when they ask him what the greatest commandment is. And he says to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And uh, in other verses, uh, this references, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what Jesus says, right? So the most important thing that we have is to love the Lord. And when when we do things that don't show that, that don't prove love in our life, that's what sin is. We're going against the most important command that's been given. We're doing things for us. We're not doing things for God at that point, right? And 
And then also, him, you know, Jesus saying, if, if you love me, if you do love me, not only will, um, will you also give me commandments. And so that means that we need to know what the commandments are so that we can do them and reflect that love. And so that's what going through the rest of these eight verses is going to do for us. It's going to walk us through what is the command, what is the path to salvation, what do we need to do to be saved so that we can have an eternal life with God in heaven. Thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at seekerpodcast.com. Check out our website to see our blog. Thank you, Suzanne, for writing some awesome articles there. Thanks. Bye.